0: Coming straight from the mouths of madness. I am one of the hosts, Lowdown. With me as always is FU Hunter. What's up, bitches? Yeah. Bitches. (laughs) Bitches. Bitches. Yeah. Spooky bitches. Oh, we're getting a spooky season. No, we're getting a spooky season. Oh yeah. Sam's going to be coming on any day any day now, just check, making sure you're following the rules. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, with us tonight, we have a guest who has not been on for a little while, but he was on a few of the early episodes, specifically when it covering Stephen King, because he is the only man I trust outside of myself to talk about Stephen King, and that is Mike Reiser.
1: Hey guys, how's it going?
0: <laughs> yeah. He sounds so <laughs> cheerful. He's happy because he's talking about Stephen King. He's
1: ready to go. Of course. One of my all time favorite authors, the only work of his I have yet to read yet is Elevation. It's sitting on my shelf and looking at me guiltily. Mm. And it's only 70 something pages long, so I really don't have an excuse.
0: That's like a, I don't know, a shit. <laughs> Basically, that's like a turd. And like you can just pick a poop and read the book. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> it's that simple. Come yeah, on,
0: pick a poo, read the book.
1: Something about the words "uplifting parable" on the cover just haven't inspired me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so that, and that's one of the reasons why he we uh, we invited him on tonight was because we it's Stephen King's birthday month. His birthday is coming up in a week and a half the 21st or 22nd of September and uh, you know it's a, it's his birthday month so we definitely have to do a Stephen King episode. Yeah. And tonight we're going to be talking about Netflix and King. That's right, all the Stephen King adaptations that it came to Netflix over the last few years. And uh, there've been some stellar, there've been so-so. And we will <laughs> we will dive into our, our feelings on that. <laughs> I'm
2: curious which ones are the so-so. So, uh,
0: I'm sure we have different opinions on that. It sounds um, like we do. Yeah. So uh, that's good. That's good. That's good conversation, though. Yeah. So I'm I'm ready to dig into that. So in 2017, to my amazement and enjoyment, I saw that Gerald's Game had a movie adaptation. It came out in September, and then followed shortly in October, we had another adaptation of 1922, which is a great short story that I'm like, fuck yeah. Okay, here we go. I
2: forgot those were so fucking close together. It was a like, month.
0: Yeah. It was a month. And then most recently, uh, in 2019, I forget which month it came out, we had a, an adaptation of the novella that he uh, wrote with his son, Joe Hill, uh, called In the Tall Grass, that in Netflix. And that was the first thing they had wrote, written together since Full Throttle, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So the like so going in line with all these books, Gerald's Game is is a 90, 1992 novel. Nineteen twenty two is a uh, twenty ten short story that was in Full Dark No Stars, and then In the Tall Grass was just a no- novella written in twenty twelve. It was actually only on uh, audiobook and uh, like what do you call it when you read it? On, you don't actually read a book; you read a tablet. Yeah, books Kindle book, ebook. Yeah, yeah, maybe. yeah. yeah. It wasn't released in actual book form.
1: No, and I actually believe that might have been part of his deal with Kindle because he wrote a short story at one point about a haunted Kindle used to promote the product, uh, and I think it was a part of that
2: package deal. They're like, "Oh mm. man, we're gonna sell so many Kindles! Oh, exactly. oh here we go!" No, but they didn't. Probably. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they probably didn't sell so many Kindles at all. Yeah, because all it takes is someone to, I don't know, figure out a way to copy it and then just put it on a torrent site, and then they go, "Oh, oh, you can go on and." Read it anywhere else too. Exactly. Okay, well, fuck me. Yeah, I believe exactly. it has
1: since been picked up in one of Joe Hill's short story collections, either Strange Weather or the newer one.
0: Okay, I'm have to look for that because he's a great author, yeah. really good author. Um,
2: Talk about having some fucking pressure, though, man. That's Jesus. why he came out
0: with Joe as Joe Hill. No one knew the fuck he was, uh, and his, he got a career. He he started his career and got big with no one knowing who the fuck he was.
2: Yeah, but I'm just saying, even with change his name, still the interaction with him and his dad, like. The first time you think I'm going to start writing anything, (laughs) your dad's fucking Stephen King. There's a little bit of like pressure on you, you know.
0: Well, I understand that it is Stephen King, and he is literally like the biggest and greatest horror writer of all time. I mean, Clive Barker's. I mean, there are other writer, there are other authors that are amazing, but Stephen King literally holds the crown. Like you really can't argue that. Yeah. Right. But Tabitha King writes too, so he had a. Both his parents were writers. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's,
3: he, that's even worse. He's like, "Oh fuck, oh fuck." But I can you really,
2: imagine the school papers, by the way, like before you know, like he's in fucking high school and he's writing. He's like, uh, "Can you proofread?" And like, just nervous. Even like something as simple as that, like, "Can you proofread this before
0: I turn it in?" Like, just red checks all over the place. Like, you know, it could have been completely opposite too, because I feel like later on when that was a probably important in Joe Hill's life, not early. Joe Hill life because I'm pretty sure King was drinking a lot and doing a lot of coke. But later on <laughs> in his life, uh, he it was when that we became uh, prominent. It was probably the chill King that we have now, where it's more just like I, I, I could I could see him just putting waking up, putting on his slippers to go sit back down somewhere and just write. Like that's what I picture Stephen King's day like now. You the, know, partying's way, gone. You know, no more maximum overdrives.
2: On just a quick side note, I did not even realize this till recently this documentary that's on Shutter called uh in the search of darkness, but they got into the creep show part. And I had no idea maybe y'all knew this already. Yes, yeah, so that was Joe I Hill. Had no idea that was Joe Hill as the kid in Creepshow that fucking Tom Atkins slaps the shit out of. Yep. That was him. Yeah. That's fucking
0: awesome. <laughs> yep. He got to kill his dad with a voodoo doll. Yep. It's awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's so, gotta be
2: weird though seeing like imagine him on the set. And then, like, he sees his dad, and every day his dad's having to be covered in green shit, and, like, you know, like, hey, Dad, how's it going? Just give me a second. I got more green shit on me. Yeah, yeah. Some space shit. <laughs> space shit. No, meteor yeah, shit. Yeah, meteor shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, all right, let's dig right in. We can, we can continue on with uh, Joe Hill and, and King later. Uh, the first one that came out was Gerald's Game, and... At the time, I didn't know who the fuck he was, but it was directed by Mike Flanagan, who we all know and love now for not only The Haunting of Hill House, which, by the way, season two is dropping shortly. Oh, yeah. The Haunting of Byron Manor. Did I say it right this time? I fucked up on the Hill House episode. Sure. Murphy corrected me. (laughs) Toot sweet. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And if you mess up, they will let you know again. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So uh, there's also the Doctor Sleep, which talk about- Another King property, right, because yeah. Gerald's game, which is a small scale compared to doing the sequel to The Shining. That's so huge, and to make it better, like, I don't need to read the book anymore. If you go back and listen to our episode on Dr. Sleep, I see the same thing. The book was not amazing. I literally can just keep watch the movie and never read the book again. What, and I'm fine with that.
2: What's the trick that like we brought up in the episode is just how the movie is appealing to the book reader's and the non-book readers. So, and that, you gotta give a director that's able to take that King property and communicate it to both.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he was able to excise a lot of the weirdness and the flaws in Stephen King's work with Dr. Sleep. I would rank that one as a D-tier villain with an F-tier plot. Uh, There's literally, and this is as insensitive as it gets, a plot line at the expense of 9-11 victims in the book. And Mike Flanagan wisely cut that. He wisely cut a lot of the other weirdness that's involved, uh, but still made it managed to make it appeal to absolutely everybody. It's a remarkable trick to be faithful to Stephen King's universe, but also Stanley Kubrick's the shining. And, uh, I didn't think it was actually possible to split a baby and have it live, but he did it. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. It
0: just merges right together and you can't even see the seams, man. There's no stitches. Yep. It's almost like when the thing mutates into, into (laughs) something, it just seamlessly kind of just turns into the thing, you know, and then becomes this weird fucked up hybrid. But, uh, Yeah, I mean, so it's based off the 1992 novel, which if any of you listeners have read it, there is dialogue at the beginning when uh, the wife and the husband go to this uh, remote location to try to revive their marriage and try some, make sure they're getting a lot of that fuck on because that always helps out a marriage. But (laughs) husband has a heart attack, passes out actually on her after he handcuffs her to the bed because they're trying to get a little kinky action going on and spice it up a bit. And then, yeah, she's left in pretty much the middle of nowhere, handcuffed to a bed with her dead husband. On I don't know. No, so he landed on her, but he did roll off. And that, yeah. that happened in the movie and in the book. On the floor. Dead husband's on the floor, handcuffed to a bed. And then the rest of the book itself is just literally in her brain narration. Now, they do do the same thing. I said do-do. They do <laughs> things that, as they do in the movie, Give you dialogue, and because they're, they're she's remem- reminiscing on her past, which is, so it's not like it feels like it's all in her brain, but in, in the book it does still. Even though it is, you're introduced to other characters, it still feels like, and because you know it, it's her thinking about it. And
2: in, in now in the book, does do they have the the manifestation of her husband and herself, or is that how you know the director got away with kind of all that inner dialogue? in the book, is having her actually talking to char- her, her made-up characters so there's not her just thinking the dialogue through, like, most of the movie.
1: The book plays aggressively with what is real and not real and sort of the unreliable narrator. Right. So there are elements of that. I believe those were constructions of the film, though, to make them into living, characters. Well, that's what I'm saying, characters. is
2: if you just had her thinking all this stuff, I mean, after a while, like, you, it's nice to have her have interaction, even if it's with herself or with her dead husband, as kind of a, converse, you know, her back and forth instead of her just thinking all the stuff, you know, the, b- being, attacking herself, being like, you fucking weak-ass piece of shit, you know, and so you have, like, two, like, the devil, the, the angel and the devil in forms of her husband mm-hmm. and herself, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, the book, they're, they're living and breathing but in memory only, uh, whereas this one sort of gives them a larger role to yeah. play to great effect as well.
2: Which I think is very effective because, again, like, you have that interaction, so it helps the flow of
0: the movie. Because in a in a movie, you you're relying on the visual, so by utilizing a visual... To do the same thing he did in the book, which was just basically her talking to herself as a man. Me- <laughs> well, and I th- it's, but I mean that, that that's how you make it visual, like, and that that's really our um, that's really good artistry as far as to bring something to life that I never fucking thought I would see a movie of, like, that <laughs> th- th- out of all the fucking stories that I've read, this I literally was like, this th- I'm never going to see a movie. Of this it's, it's not going to happen. And oh. Another
2: effective way of doing that is when you introduce an actual. Another character into, you know, her world. Well, she's already been going crazy talking to her dead husband and herself. So you go, I guess we just added another character to this, you know. And she, it's hard for her to tell the difference between reality and, and the moonlight
0: man. Yep, well, the, the moonlight, moonlight
2: man. man. The moonlight so, but that's
1: central in the novel.
2: Yes, but that's what's great yes. about it is like at this point, like, all right, we just, I guess my brain's going in a whole other fucked up thing, and I'm just gonna insert this crazy looking motherfucker in this
0: and they actually i mean he and they make him a really integral part of the movie because that's part of the fear because they hear about the the murders happening on the drive up and then they left like why would you ever do this i don't care if you're in the middle of nowhere leave the fucking door open on the way in yep and then they start going get get their their fuck fuck on yeah i was gonna say they get their fuck on they're worry about doors kick the door on your walk into the fucking (laughs) house dude you don't gotta like stop your strut that takes too much time That Viagra, you have a short period. He's, look,
2: that dude, he's got a short period of time. He popped that Viagra as soon as they got out of the car. So he's like, doors don't close. That's why he
0: had a heart attack. Exactly. He's like, I don't have time for doors closing. Come on, come on, come on. But then, you know, you you think the initial antagonist is the dog because the dog comes in and starts eating her husband. You're like, oh, that's fucked.
3: (laughs) Watching your husband
2: getting eaten?
0: Like, which is, I mean. She
2: was nice to the fucking dog. dog Yeah. Hey, thanks for the free meat earlier. No, I'm just going to eat your fucking husband.
0: But. It's in the back of her mind that there's this killer out there because they found families dead in that area that have been vacationing, so on and so forth. And the way they sh- the way they film that is amazing because it's like oh, she looks down the hallway and you just see literally moonlight lighting him up, and it's just like part of his face. It was it was awesome. So it literally looked like kind of this what he what he got even better with with Doctor Sleep this dream sequence esque type of thing.
1: Yeah, it's a very surrealist thing, both in the novel and in the film, because the central question is, is he actually there? Is he actually real? Is this her mind fraying? Is her mind about to let go? Uh, And will she be able to find the strength? And so much of it calls into question throughout the course of the novel. Is she hallucinating the events or remembering them incorrectly in her own past as well? Mm -hmm. So those are also shot in a similar dreamy, gauzy kind of way, especially the eclipse sequence.
0: Yes. Oh, man. But she finds out that it wasn't her going insane when they actually arrested him. And then she showed up to court to say, no, yes, him. And But she Spoiler. I mean, he recognized her. I mean, it was not 2017. It's, yeah, they've had it's no fair. time. They've had, they've had will, oh, three go years, and, literally
3: go three the years.
2: I'm going to the rule. And <laughs> well, the header of this is going to say Stephen King Netflix movies. So people should have already watched it if they want to hear us talk about it. That's it.
0: But he recognized her because remember, like the they they made sure the actor made like this giant smiley, this giant smile. Does he smile.
2: say like you're not real? Like he when he sees her, yeah. Like he's like like because oh. she said that to him. Yeah, yeah. And he it's almost funny because he's reacting to her like what the fuck. It, it was a really nice way to end the movie. So. Yeah,
0: and she walks away like a badass. And I'm sorry, I like I love to watch Carla Gugino walk away. <laughs> I hate to see you go. She's got a juicy <laughs> little ass on her, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I want. Oh eat yeah. It. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> the remain the only part that we haven't gotten into about the movie is what Riser mentioned earlier was the eclipse scene, which this is where Flanagan <sighs> brings in actors that he reuses again. He obviously use, reuses Carlo Gugino in Haunting of Hill House, but now we get Henry Thomas and we get his wife. Katie Seagull or Seagull? I want to say Seagull. I think that's how it is. Uh, As the mom and dad, and she's been repressing all this uh, uh, emotional baggage from basically- (laughs) repressed? She wasn't raped. She was just jerked off on? How the fuck are you-
2: Yeah. All right, yeah. let's just say this. If there's one thing I never thought I would see, Elliot from (laughs) E.T., Ever fucking do is have his um, as a adult his daughter sit on his lap and start violently masturbating right next to her. That's something I, I'll be honest. No. I never thought would ever no. happen. No, you know,
0: phone home or whatever. Like, goddamn. I I, I can agree with that. That's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty fucking foul. But and again, I'm glad.
2: Honestly, I'll, he... I'll be honest. I'm glad I watched the the haunting of Hill House prior... Precursor. ...to watching Gerald's Game. But he did this first. (laughs) I understand. But in my order, I'm glad. Because watching that show, he's a very, like, he'll do anything for his kids. And it's, you know... And I'm really glad because if I watch Gerald's Game and then watch that, I'd be like, I know you do anything, but, you know, in the other movie, you were fucking jacking it off right next
0: to your daughter, dude. So So gross. So I'm really
2: glad I waited to watch this after watching that.
0: Fair. Yeah. And, uh... (laughs) I mean that's I mean that's the gist of it that's what happened if you want to see more detail and you, you, you you've either seen the movie and you know or you need to go watch it
2: I enjoy the movie but I, I I was saying earlier I just my biggest issue is it's a lot of fucking piling on for one person to have this much shitty fucking luck it's just like the husband dies handcuffed okay that sucks fucking dog shows up oh that really fucking sucks alright, we're going multiple days around the woods, that fucking sucks, fucking crazy ass killer shows up, that fucking sucks, like, it's just a lot for one, that just hit one person, and just over and over again, all this stuff, and then, just like, okay, well, let's go back to your childhood, oh, dad had you in a lab masturbate. okay, we'll had to add that to this, there's just so much really fucked up shit to happen to one character, like, well, that's why you want to root for her, and it works I with know. the larger theme of the Stephen King work, it's which is so much shit to happen to her.
1: It, the, it's it's a very early feminist work from King. There's a lot of shit that happens to women out there. She herself became a victim as a child, carried it with her, repressed it, and put it away, and then became a victim of her husband as well. He's not a good guy in the book. The movie sort of hints at that. She still shows a victim. his anger
0: in the book. Yeah. Yes. And uh, you're right that the, the King actually an his initial plan was to have this and Dolores Claiborne tie in together because it puts both women in uh, very fucked up instances where they have to overcome, and both during an eclipse and, you know, well, you know. Yes. And so, but then as the Dolores Claiborne was written more and more, and, it got, and when it got released, it'd be, he actually wrote it a little away. I mean, the eclipse happens, and she does still free herself by killing her husband and burying him during the eclipse, um, spoiler for Dolores Claiborne, I guess? I don't whatever. Anyway, uh, watch the movie. It's amazing if you don't want to read the book. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He he kind of went through a slew of these uh, predominantly just amazingly strong female characters.
1: Yeah, the, the ultimate coda to this arc that he sort of concluded with was Lisey's story in which a woman who has lived her entire life in the shadow of the men around her has to step out and take charge to overcome a situation. And boy, does she ever uh, <laughs> essentially drawing on these inner struggles that these other King women had throughout the nineties.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And we say throughout the nineties, because that's, I mean, that's when like, uh, it really started moving forward, but it was still like, just not a thing, yeah. you know, it wasn't. So these were very strong female characters coming out in an era where it wasn't the everyday norm to just, you know, show the, show the strength of women. You know what I mean? Yes. So King did really King did proper right there, and uh, I personally enjoyed it. I know, honey, you said like it just it just seems. So did you enjoy it because, or did you not enjoy I, it no, because I, of that? I did enjoy
2: on. it. It just was a lot going on. Like, and I, I joked around about like it'd be the equivalent of a guy coming back from Vietnam, and as soon as he gets back from all the hordes of Vietnam, his mom comes up and is like, "Well, you know, you actually you were adopted," and then he goes to see his you know visit his wife and kids, and the car that they're in blows up, and you're just like. There's that's a lot of shit happening at one time with somebody. True, so, true. So that that was the main thing. I still enjoyed it. And again, I mean, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of piling on. That's the best way I could put it.
1: Yeah, I, I admire the pile on because of how <laughs> relentlessly bleak of a vision it is, both as a book and a story uh, and a film with only slight glimmers of hope in there, which will probably bring us into our next one, which is maybe one of his most hopeless.
0: Bef- before we dive into that, though, I do want to just point out that, uh, again, this Gerald's Game was directed by Mike Flanagan. Uh, we said the main character uh, was played by Carla Gugino, who was in Watchmen, Californication, the, the Haunting of Hill House. But then we've got the husband is played by Bruce Greenwood, who if people don't remember him from Star Trek reboot as Captain Pike. Captain Pike also in Doctor Sleep as the, the doctor yeah. who runs the AA. yeah, And then he was also in Super 8. That's right. He was and a, he
2: was in that uh fuck that JFK movie that yeah, I'm I'm drawing a blank on, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I just want to point out some of the cast that was like how Flanagan reuses his people, which you brought up on Haunting Hill House. Flanagan He likes, yeah, just like Carpenter, back- just like all the other big directors will reuse their peeps. The other thing is, uh, the music for this movie was done by the Newton brothers who also do the music for the Haunting of Hill House. So that's a cool That makes little, sense, yeah. Cool little tidbit. But uh, you don't always go with the same yeah. composers. But anyway. Riser was on or something with that. He's right. This is just so fucking just, there's zero happiness. Like, I didn't even smile once during this movie. And I, I tend to smile at horror movies, but this, oh, this story.
2: We're about to go to the next one, but the, again, I will give props for the fucking Hardcore practical effects. Oh then, yeah. Oh we, uh, yeah, how did we, I don't know how
0: we missed. No, the, it was yeah. on my brain to say talk about it, but we just. It, but there I mean, was a nice we transition. On, we so. gotta bring up the fucking scene. That's what where they she saved gets... all the money for. The money was all saved for that long scene of how? her just shredding her fucking Fuck, wrist, dude. dude. You saw tendons. Oh, and she, oh. she's pulling
2: her hand, and you see her flesh oh. like a like a glove, but that's oh. her flesh rolling up on the fucking handcuff. But yeah, I gotta get that amazing practical effects.
0: Oh, so good.
1: Yeah, it's borderline impossible to watch. It's one of those <laughs> yeah. things like martyrs or inside where I'm just like, eh, I don't want to see I knew that ahead scene of time. Again.
2: I had read the book, but I talked to enough people, they said, Oh, there's a scene and I knew you put two and two together, she's I, she's like, All right, well, blood's gonna be the only way to get natural, I was like, oh, we're about to see some fucked up shit. It is That is
0: really hard to watch. It, yeah. They, he really nailed it with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he beat Stephen King at his own game at that. But he's good at that because uh, Stephen King was only upset with one scene in the initial cut of Doctor Sleep. And that would have been the child murder scene. He thought Mike Flanagan was going too far.
0: Yet he killed Cage in Pit Cemetery and then... Kids in it
3: <laughs> yeah, I was going to oh, say. It, all right, I'm not even going to try to understand weird, that. King's a weird,
1: conflicted man. He's seemingly apologetic for how dark Pet Cemetery is, and he's often expressed that he doesn't like the themes of that story and the children in It's a great story.
0: It, the original is a great movie. Whatever, King. I'm sorry. Yeah. You feel a certain way, but it's 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 uh, a great.
1: great. I would recommend that as the entry-level King book to anyone who's interested. It's got some of the best and tightest plotting he's ever done.
0: Yep,
2: agreed. I, yeah, I usually I'd say pets. The two books I, I started with was *Pessimetry* and *Misery*. I think *Misery* is kind of the same way. It's pretty basic, but it gets going
0: and it's really enjoyable. So yeah, so we, you're right, Hunter. Thanks for calling that back because I it, w- <laughs> yeah. it was all my brain to end with the practical effects, the crescendo, because that was also the pretty much the denouement of the movie. But the next one we're going into it was released in October of 2017, and yeah, we got to about 1922, a short story from. Full Dark, No Stars, and I want to get the cast away. We we got Tom Jane in probably uh, I would say definitely probably his greatest acting role, where it actually made him act. Yeah, like I have not seen that kind of depth out of Tom Jane in anything. I can't. Can can
2: anybody tell me what kind of accent he does? Well, it's Midwest. It's Midwest, but man, it's some good range. Is the best way to put it. Where like it's it's definitely he's got some accent. But it's his own accent, and um, it just, and it's like if you were like, "Do uh, can you invent like a Midwest farmer accent?" He's like, "Here you go."
0: That's the only way I can describe it. But it's, it's so thick. It yeah. So fuck, and he keeps it. He doesn't lose it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like it's,
2: he, he permanently yeah. has tobacco in his mouth, but mm-hmm. he does not That's. But I don't know how else to describe it.
0: And like, how how much did he bake himself in the sun for that movie? Like he is so fucking bronze. <laughs>
2: like, he's oh, near crispy. the end. Or, or, or like, when he goes into the city, yeah, he looks like he's been out, standing out in the sun. <laughs>
0: dude, California raisin, dude, he's just <laughs> fucking done. But so we got Tom Jane, but we also have uh, Mommoli Parker. People should know her from Deadwood, uh, The Road, mm-hmm. and Dexter. Yep. But the obviously the biggest actor to me outside of Tom, even though Tom Jane's in it, it's got to be uh, Neil McDonough. We're talking. You know, Band of Brothers, Justified, fucking Damien Dark on Arrow, uh, and all that stuff. And he was the neighbor whose the daughter, the son ran away with. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, he's my favorite of the soldiers in Ravenous. Oh, he is in Ravenous. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's,
0: his movie career is like so yeah. fucking long. Because he's got this
2: weird fucking look. And uh, they
0: utilize that in Justified. I remember that. Oh, and his character looks... is so fucked in Justified. Yeah. yeah. Just season three. If the you don't watch one. any Justified, watch season three because that that his character in that is the like definition of sociopath yeah
1: yeah like, Yeah, he's fantastic three thousand mm-hmm. dollar suits and madness beneath it
0: and like bondage and ass rape that's pretty much the thing he's <laughs> yeah. into
1: too <laughs> crystal <know>. meth
0: <laughs> yeah that'll do it to you right <laughs> but so it's a limited cast because you just have tom jane is the father molly uh parker is the mother the son is it a, was a i couldn't I didn't look up his name. I didn't know him for anything personally, but it's that family and then Neil McDonough's character and his daughter and then like the sheriff. That's pretty much your cast.
2: Yeah. You know, it's not a huge cast, but I mean, it's kind of how the story it goes. Adds to it, you, you don't need to.
0: Have, it adds to that isolation feel like, yes. you know, you are in the middle of fucking nowhere with your fucking cornfields and your cows and shit. Unless, right? unless you started giving names to the rats, then you'd have a huge cast, but that's about it. So <laughs> Cinderella. Yeah. <laughs> so. I read, I read the short story after watching the movie and I think they did a really good, again, page for page ad- kind of adaptation of this this story.
1: Yeah, it's very spot on. The, the good news is this one, unlike Gerald's game, is a lot easier to adapt. It's a straightforward crime fiction story, a trope as old as
0: time. You actually mentioned that before we were recording and I'm not saying it's not. It definitely is a crime fiction, but I took this movie as a straight up ghost story, a ghost story done well. You don't. There's not a lot of ghost stories, like true ghost stories, right? And it literally utilizes guilt and remorse and self-loathing, and turns that into. But that those are the ghosts, and that's that's the oldest. That's the tale's oldest time is those. Those are your personal ghosts, and those are what are tormenting him throughout the movie. But it's embodied, and but like they also. show her rotting and like <laughs> just I mean dude it's done so well so yeah. for me this is done as a it's more of a ghost story than a crime fiction for me personally
2: I mean I throw out there is this is King's quick version of Telltale Heart meets Monkey's Paw like
3: mm, where Monkey's Paw, yeah. yeah
2: where he's just haunted by this murder throughout the entire throughout the movie and he gets what he wants. I mean, he he gets. He controls all the land. Like like hell, he's gonna you know let it sell out the shares and of the land, and you know get divorced. He gets what he wants, and it literally curses anybody connected to him. Including his neighbor.
0: Fuck. And his son.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Stephen King is not shy about writing about the other writers who have inspired him about his whole life and doing these straight up little tributes to them. He's also done it with HP Lovecraft. He's done it with Peter Straub, Clive Barker. And of course, he's a fan of Edgar Allan Poe.
0: Yeah. How could you be a horror writer and not be a fan of Edgar (laughs) Allan Poe? But the basic premise of this is that, you know, you've got Tom Jane who loves his farm Molly Parker plays the wife who hates living out there. She wants to move to the city. The son who. She's a
2: mean drunk. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) She is, though. She's
2: mean. She's a mean drunk. Yeah. She's a mean drunk. Yeah. Uh,
0: The son who just kind of wants to be, love both his parents and be on both their sides and understand. But, you know, Tom Jane's character kind of starts needling at him, telling him that she's never going to, like, stay here, never going to be happy. She's going to make us leave. And then, like, do you want to leave and, like, guilt tripping and all that, which basically leads to him convincing his son that he needs to help him kill his mother. So one night, they get (laughs) her really drunk. Yep. And she does turn into a fucking cunt. Oh, she's (laughs) fucking mean.
2: Yeah, And he's he's like,
0: go after his girlfriend. Like, it's almost like one of those
2: things, like, you know, like, that's his first big thing. And, like, he target, you know, have her target on that shit. And that's, I think, the set off point, you know.
1: Yeah, it's a glorious trick that the the film adaptation does well is you almost kind of root for the killer for
3: a little bit.
0: For a little bit, you do. You do. You do until you see how they execute it when she passes out and then they literally just go in and stab the shit out of her. Then you're like, "Ah, maybe, maybe, maybe not rooting for you anymore. I kind of put it with the the mean uh, lady that owns the
2: bank in Gremlins. Uh, (laughs) You know she had a horrible death. I mean, but you kind of cheer for it. But if you think about the fact that she got killed the way she did later on yeah it's pretty horrible to have a person but at the time as a child you're cheering You're like yeah gremlins fucked with her chair she got thrown and killed quick and yeah same thing with the wife here you're like yeah she's kind of a bitch but you're like yeah but she was
0: murdered by her son and her husband yeah that adds to it you're Uh, like that's just like that's so you can't get more personal than that yep
1: well, that's why it's a great crime story. It's about not thinking through the consequences of your actions, <laughs> and we as the the viewer are along for that journey as well because we do spend that time going, yeah, you know what, it would solve things, and then we realize, no, no, it does not. One bad decision leads to a lot of other bad decisions.
0: But is it a if it's a crime fiction, it's a crime fiction that we see him get away with.
1: Yeah, sometimes the bad guy wins. Yeah, well, because what
0: he buries it's her. It's debatable in, if he gets away I mean, with it. He buries her in the well. Yeah, covers the well up. And then realizes he needs to figure out the smell, so he makes the cow walk over <laughs> yeah. and fall down the fucking Sorry, cow. cow. Eat more so chicken. He loses all that meat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really, dude? Oh, no, was it? The milk cow? Was it a was it milk cow or a beef cow? I think it was a beef cow. Okay. Yeah. Still, that's a lot of fucking meat on that goddamn cow. Plus,
2: he has to depend on the incompetency of the, um, the police department in that area of... Well, it looks good to me. Oh wait, I literally found evidence that my con- no, I guess, no, never mind. That's police work and um it's it's late in the day. So like <laughs> the, he pretty much Thomas Jane's character walks him through like, "See? Look at the closet. See? Look at this." And just like pretty much does the work of the officer. It's a that small town shit though. It's a small town it, shit. But literally the sheriff is like, "Oh, she left her shoes that's kind of weird and he's like yeah whatever don't worry about it <laughs> yeah. i think i've only ever seen a more
1: incompetent cop once on film and that would be in cabin fever with the deputy who just wants to be friends deputy
0: dewey <laughs> no that's cool man i'm here yeah we're gonna party you have a party man yes yeah, have a party man but then it just goes into like uh, eventually the son falls in love with the neighbor's daughter and they want to get away and so they they do
2: well she's uh, pregnant yeah, he gets yeah. pregnant. That's right. He gets yeah. pregnant. Yeah, and then the neighbor's like, like, um, Yeah, your son knocked up my daughter. So uh, you need to fucking pay up because that was your. I, I guess the justification is that was your son's dick that got my. So that's. It I doesn't think really it
0: work is... that way, but yeah, that she wants to pay, her, pay it off for the son to never talk to the daughter again yeah. and yada yada. And then they leave and basically do like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. Which then adds to the story because then you see, like, you've got all this footage of real-time happening with them. They basically go end up resorting to, like, robbing banks and shit. And meanwhile, him, and once, his, once his son left, it, like, apparently everything just falls, like, the house literally just starts dilapidating. Yeah, and like, he's full crazy now. Now there's no sense of
2: another person there, and he just creeps into more and more of just... The rats and seeing his wife, you know, like slowly, but yeah. like
0: a wife with like the the bites out of yeah. her face. And, good,
2: by the way, good,
0: good nice practical, practical effects. effects yeah. very, and, yeah. but, but done subtle, yeah, right. But then he gets bit, and the, the practical effects <laughs> oh, on his hand, man, his fucking hand starts rotting Ugh. basically, it's gangrene.
1: Yeah, it's a very effective adaptation of the Stephen King book because it's a gnarly book with lots of gore and gristle and ugly, unpleasant things happening.
2: I, it's. I definitely would say it's the pacing's a, lit, a a bit slow in the actual movie, but there's payoffs in it. You just have to be patient. It's. Oh it's, yeah. It kind of just. It, it's almost like the character. It's a very slow moving plot and movie, but you know there are payoffs throughout it.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's a good point. The the character is very slow to you know get to the his point and go about doing his thing. You know, but it's it's it it, right? The the characters mirror the story.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the real challenges, and I think it's remarkable that it pulled it off because these are a king novella that we're talking about here versus Gerald's game. You've got five hundred pages of meat to work with. This one, you've got a scant ninety pages uh, Mm -hmm. to go from, and a lot of those ninety pages are impressionistic and character, interior landscapes, things like that. Uh, So it's remarkable that it was able to flesh it out to film length.
2: Well, so I mean, sometimes those are. That's the best King material is the smallest of stories. I mean, we all agree. Shawshank is like stand by me, stand by me. I mean, yeah, it's just, for some reason, those shorts, you get the right director recognize like, yes, I've got the like
0: base of what I need to work with and just expand out. Yep. And basically after, you know, there's a tons of of amazing imagery throughout this part of the movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it because it's all there and it's glorious if you enjoy that thing, sort of thing. But then it basically comes down to where uh, he went back to his neighbor who initially offered him money <laughs> and wanted to see what would you offer me for my land now, kind of thing. And the guy, you know, the dog, they, so what happened in between was they found the son and the daughter dead while she's, she's pregnant. Yeah, she got shot. While pregnant, right? In this was a shot in the stomach or something and like he that. He like froze to death
2: or, or she was well, she died and no oh, he he didn't freeze to that. He fucking capped himself. She dies. That's right. He watches he she's dead and he's like, Well, everything I was working towards is gone, so Bam. Bam. Yeah.
0: So they find they find them and you know, he's a grieving father. Yeah, Tom Jane doesn't seem to give a fuck. He's already broken at that yeah, point. True. And
2: that's the thing. That's at this true. point with the rats, the the his sanity is just barely hanging on. That yeah, that's he's like and, what's uh, he goes to neighbor? Neighbors like shit's fucking terrible, fucking sucks. He's like join my club, motherfucker. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, I've
3: been
0: doing no, this shit. I'm right next door, man. Neil Mc, Neil McDonough's character it wasn't just like shit's terrible. He looked like br- he was empty.
2: He oh, was, you mean where he has the, literally the blanket uh, like just c- cuddled
0: in front? But, like, oh no, but there was there was like a there's like a there's like an embering inferno. Yeah. Inside him too, that he <laughs> that he portrays very well. Like you know, he looks like he's ready to like murder everybody at the same time. That he well because you know,
2: his wife, I mean, doesn't his wife leave him? She leaves yeah. him. Yeah. So yeah, he just there's two neighbors.
0: Just, he didn't want his fucking land, and yep, he ends up selling it to the bank for pennies on the dollar, and the whole the, and moves, he's
2: taking a loan out.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: and moves to the fucking city, which was start the whole goddamn thing in the first place.
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, we can run all day, but sometimes end up in the exact same place that we would have been in otherwise.
0: And then you realize, which I mean, they, they 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 do show it to you early in the movie, like at the very beginning, but you forget as you're watching this fucking travesty like, of a human life, <laughs> <laughs> um, that he has been writing all this down. So you know, you're in you're in the present, and he's just telling you the story of the past that led him to this, uh, with his hand missing because he had to get it cut off because of the rat bite. And, but the whole, but you see like there have been like rats eating through the walls. Oh yeah, you see him popping. There's like a hole in the room he's in, and then rats yeah. comes
2: out. It's like, hey, what's up, motherfucker? But then when he's done
0: <laughs> with the, writing everything, he stands. He stands up, and it's actually the ghosts of his family. And then it ends. Yeah, it's like, oh, that was such a creepy fucking shot, dude. Now I did yeah. read something because I, I hadn't read the 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 story, but um,
2: apparently that wasn't included in the movie. Is that the autopsy on him? Is that he had all these bite marks, self-inflicted bite marks on him, which is kind of fucking awesome. And I kind of yeah. wish yeah. they had included that, just could a little hard not, to do though. Well, no, no, not even show it, but just like a new, like a, have a art, a newspaper article up, you know, like man found dead, you know, and have something like that. Like I kind of wish they had thrown that in there because I had to find that out just from doing
0: some research on it after I watched the movie.
2: That little bit could have been kind of badass just to kind of I throw agree. in there. Okay. Yeah. yeah,
0: so that leads to the last one, the newest one talking about 2019's in the tall grass and so a novella written in 2012 with Stephen King and his son Joe Hill and <laughs> No, I mean mm. I don't hate it.
2: I'd rather it would have made a great Twilight Zone episode. If you had a 30, or Black Mirror. Yeah, or Black Mirror but a quick 30 minute, 40 minute cre- or creep show something like that. I you know, great. Not as a movie. I'm sorry, man.
1: Yeah, Clive Barker's *The Hellbound Heart* is a 90-page novella of all plot and just charging forward. This novella, there's not nearly as much
2: plot, and yeah. I was really into the first part, and I thought I—I I, will say Patrick Wilson, awesome, awesome in this, awesome. I, you know, but yeah. even him doing a great it's job, crazy as shit. After a while, it, you just get kind, kind of worn out, is the best way I could put it, is that the, the initial concept's great and then it just it just kind of runs it too long, I think.
1: Yeah, this film is a perfect example of something being less than the sum of its parts. Patrick Wilson absolutely puts in a barn burning performance in it, and he's just fantastic. All physical menace and a phenomenal villain. Um, One that you first feel sympathetic toward and interested in, and then one that you're just repulsed and horrified by. Setup's great, Uh, the character arcs are okay, but it just doesn't add up
0: agreed and like why does this movie need to be an hour and like 45 fucking minutes i swear to god even if it was just like an hour and 20 it would have been better if you just like had cut 20 minutes off this movie it still would have been better well, it-
2: because I keep wanting to show every character going into the tall grass and that's great but it's almost like and reset and we go through story which is and, part of the, which is part of the story res- and it's time loop resetting and that's great but after a while you're just kind of going all right now that we're like an hour into this can we have something else happen besides characters walking into the tall grass an actual i don't know conflict of something happening you know what i mean like it's it just kept going back you do though you do you have hints of it you you have hints of it but it's not until the boyfriend gets in there finally you start kind of it starts picking up and you know, moving along, but it takes a while before you get to that
0: point. The amount of time they were in the grass didn't bother me. I, cause I did, I did enjoy the claustrophobic feel. It really made you like the way that it was shot, you felt like it was just like completely different thing and there wasn't a road anywhere and there wasn't, you know, there was no way out kind of feeling. but oh. It's just fucking grass. But how do you like, how do you make grass scary? Well, here you go. Well, <laughs> I, I love when the, the beginning of it, when the brothers go
2: in there and they immediately lose each other. And they're talking, and he's like, just stay where you are. And they're talking, she, and he's, you can see both of them were standing still. And he's talking, and she's like, why are you running away from me? And he's like, I'm staying still. And then they do the thing just to make sure you know exactly what's going on. We're like, all right, jump up. At the same time, we'll see each other. And the first time they jump up, you see, they see each other, and they're about, what, 15 feet away from each other. Yeah. Second time, and the oh. second time, he's way the fuck pat down there. And I was like, that's fucking cool. And that's what I'm saying is this could have made a just a great, like, episode of,
0: you know, Twilight I would give it Black like Mirror because they run about an hour. Yeah. And, you know, but just not an hour and 45 so fucking minutes. the building concept I, I really enjoyed. It's hmm. just the
2: rest of the execution of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so your quibble before with Gerald's game was that there's too much piled on, and I feel like that's exactly what happens here <laughs> in a frantic attempt to pad it out. We've got a good setup. There's some people lost in some grass, and it's doing some real menacing, mysterious things to them. Okay, now there's a rock that can shift time and space and corrupt your personality. With okay people roots. <laughs> now there's buildings <laughs> popping in and out of it. Okay, now there's an incest plot line, and like, oh yeah, it's oh, just too yeah. much. Uh, oh. And then of course there's grass people in there as well, like.
0: There's- There's, like, people's roots under the rock. Yeah. And, like, that was... The plants can
3: infect you. There's feeding
0: your own baby to your... Oh, oh, then there's when, (sighs) what's-her-face, like, literally falls down, like, the grass just goes up her vajayjay and, like, engulfs her baby. But I'm talking about... that thing, too. literally,
2: Patrick Wilson is, like, you need to have a little grub-grub, and he's feeding her, and... He's telling her, oh, it's just it's grass. You know, everybody eats grass. It's fine. And then she starts to come to and realizes. It eats her baby. This is not grass. Yeah. Feeds you that your definitely, baby. Definitely kind of grew up a little up. bit.
0: Like, all right. So, like it, I so it's got some really cool beats. Like, I mean. Ah, fuck you're feeding someone their own fucking fetus dude the him, it's fucked up Patrick Wilson his character
2: <laughs> killing his wife like just taking her head squishy oh yeah, yeah that dude. was pretty that was pretty fucking bad well,
0: so like I, I like seeing him in that at least like with that one scene because Patrick Wilson's always been like a more larger fit dude and everything he's done. And just to actually see him have something with brute strength in it, because he doesn't get that a lot. He was got kind a of pretty
2: Dad shirt on with that p- pencil mustache. He's like, oh, and literally before he goes full bonkers, like he's like, you know, like the Mister Positive, like, oh guys, come on, he's and, you a know, salesman, man. He's, yeah, you know, he's we got to do this. And then he's and then but he's also doing, but in his crazy being controlled by the Rock, where he's like, oh come on guys, you just got to touch the Rock. Let me tell you on the. Rock. How can I sell you on touch you on the Rock? Yeah, touch the Rock.
1: And then right? he's like,
0: what did you say? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <What the fuck? laughs> to me that was the biggest crime that the whole movie committed was not fully sticking with him as the main villain yeah. antagonist he lost
0: a lot there right yeah there's
1: just way too much going on like pick one of these plots and stick with it can a rock corrupt you that's a great movie in and of itself are there mysterious people in the grass great movie by itself Patrick Wilson just point the camera at him and let it rip
0: yeah and you know with the rock be, if that was to be the main protagonist uh, um, antagonist You've got, I mean, that's like Tommyknocker territory where there's this thing sticking out of the ground that you touch and, ooh, wait a minute, you know, but this has already been unearthed and it's ancient and we don't know if it's alien. We don't know what the fuck it is, but we don't even know what it's showing them. We yeah. have no idea what, it shows me every way. It shows me how to get out. What is What is what? What is it showing you? We don't know. We don't get a like a, even a dip into what the fuck he's talking about.
2: And I'll, I'll be honest, the way they set up where the brothers of, fucking piece of shit who, like, who wants to fuck your sister that's yeah, disgusting and toss you know toss the boyfriend off the building or doesn't help him out oh, yeah fuck him yeah that but then but then later on like the happy ending is is the sister and the brother you know don't go in so they're the. i'm like yeah but he's a fucking asshole at this point i can't cheer for the brother because i remember and the, the good scene. dude dies <laughs> yeah in the, the fucking dude so <laughs> the shitty ass weird touchy-feely brother fucking you know Gets away in the end, while the boyfriend sacrifices himself. I'm like, that, that
0: kind of sucks. So the only other actor besides Patrick Wilson that they uh, that uh, is of note, at least to me, in in the Tall Grass, is oh, I pronounced her name right. The sister. It's Le- La de Olivia uh, Oliviera. Livy uh, Oliviera. Uh, Olivier- uh? Sure. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I always butcher people's Just names. Just do her initials. But she, uh, I I recognized when I watched it because she was. In uh, Lock and Key, okay, she was the one that she was the one that came out of the well. Same actress, so that was a Joe Hill property. So that was yes. kind of cool that there's a tie in there. You know, I will say with this movie, the music was written by Mark Corvin, who has ties to Robert Eggers because he did the music for The Witch and for The Lighthouse. Oh, excellent! All right, so that was Very cool. cool. And I forgot to mention 1922. Guess you did the music for that. Who was that? Mike Patton really no shit Mike Patton
2: <laughs> did the music for 1922 you know what other movie he did the music for
0: <clears throat> crank 2 not the same level
2: of awesome I know but, I, but I'm just <laughs> saying like how random is crank
0: 2 too... 1922 I like... bet if we go through his career he's done a lot of scores yeah. that we just don't know because he's a musical like, Mike Patton is one of the musical geniuses of our time right I mean he yeah. really is but I remember reading I'm like oh because I remember really digging the music because I always pay attention to scores because that adds the whole that sets the whole tone for me with a lot of movies and the fact that Mike, Pat- Mike Patton wrote that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. For those who don't know Mike Patton is, A, you're young. B, Faith No More.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it feels weird to have to explain who Ma- Mike Patton is. Hey, we're like, we're like three generations I away know. from
0: when he, was, when he was in Faith No More. And he I... does have a solo career. He was also in Mr. Bungle, which that's even a deeper cut. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <But> <laughs> Look, if they don't know Faith No More, there ain't any <laughs> fucking way they're going to know who
0: Mr. Bungle is, all right? Yeah. So... In the tall grass was good. I do agree with the length. Like, it could have been. Be- it could have it could been, have been better. better with just twenty minutes, at an hour and twenty. Like I said, twenty minutes cut away, but it would have been superb if it was like an hour long episode of something.
1: Yeah, it's the classic problem Stephen King always has. Badly needs an editor.
0: And his son just doesn't want to tell him what to do. I guess.
1: Yeah, something to to d- direct the mayhem.
0: Uh,
2: uh. I think it's just the the. Concept is good, it just doesn't know what to do. It's just like, all right, we got cool concept and um uh crazy rock. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> crazy like, rock, and hey, put a crazy rock in there. I don't know. Crazy it's rock.
1: It's one of those kinds of movies that makes me feel deeply uncomfortable because there's so much talent on display. The visual effects work is wonderful, the photography is great, the cast fully commits to absolutely everything. There isn't a weak technical thing that I can point to in the execution of the movie. It's just the source material ain't good I will
2: yeah. say this um, and he, he, Patrick Wilson's character just starts Singing the lyrics to Midnight Special The try, whole time yeah. Try watching that movie and then literally as soon as it goes to credits What do they play? Credence, Midnight Special Try walking away from that movie and not start singing Midnight Special Because it gets Stuck embodied, in your fucking head Like yeah. the fucking grass It fucking gets in your head like it's pretty. That's the one thing I'll give that movie props on is As soon as he starts singing Midnight Special I was like, fucking awesome yeah. 'Cause there's another movie that brings up Midnight Special, horror movie in a way. And I was actually just talking about it, Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. The conversation with Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd. And Dan Aykroyd started singing it, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it's such, a, it's such a great song. And again, if you're too young to know, just go just <laughs> I YouTube. Did, it. I was just or it's great. We're digging in we're yeah. digging into some terror and we're not even that old well. Google Faith no more it goes F- Hunter. Low down. Riser, as far as age range goes, <laughs> yeah. And as
1: the youngest representative, uh, the kids have played a video game or two, credences and all of that. They show yeah. up in Grand Theft Auto, Mafia. It's Creedence right? Revival, it dude. At some point, yeah.
0: I mean, fuck, they're in the Water Boy. They play Green River. Yeah. God yeah. damn it! Like, I mean, it's, it's Clean, Clear Water Revival. They're 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 awesome. It's fucking Fortunate Son, right? Yeah. Oh. Everybody has seen fucking Forrest Gump. Or. Apocalypse Now.
2: Right. But I'm saying <laughs> Forrest Gump, literally the scene when he goes to Vietnam, that song that you hear as he goes to Vietnam, that's Fortunate Son. That there you song go.
0: has been used for so many Vietnam scenes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I
2: think it even shows up in the Call of Duty
1: games at some point. It has. It, to, yeah. And it, yeah.
0: And it should. It's, I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that is going to wrap it up for our Netflix and King. But, you know, as always, we have another segment. But before we get to that, we want to just take a little shout out to our sponsors. We want to talk about Amazon.com, our OG. Going to go to GYpodcast.com, click the links uh, button, and then click, through, click on Amazon.com. It'll take you to the Amazon website just through our link. And when you purchase everything, anything like normal, we just get a little kickback. Yep. So it, you when, you, if it you do it once, you bookmark it, then you just go to your bookmark, and there you go. Start looking on Amazon for, I mean, Halloween decorations, decorations. Christmas, Christmas is around the corner. I mean,
2: costumes, I mean, yeah, costumes, a know bunch what's of
0: shit happening with Halloween, but you still have a kick ass costume, right? Exactly, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> I also want to bring up T public, that's where all our merch is through. The again, GY go to links, click on the T public link, takes you right to our merch page. We've got like 34, 35 designs, plus, we've got some OG Halloween ones that we put out our first year on T public that we Damn. bring back. Yep. Uh, so that's the, they're, they're like our signature Halloween designs that we pull back up just for the, just for the you know month of basically of October. Uh, and, uh, make sure, so make sure you're checking that out. And, uh, I was gonna say our, our new logo that we have with... has, yeah. All the, the weapons of madness. Yep. Weapons of madness. Yes. Yes. We had a local uh, tattoo artist during all this COVID shit. Uh, we, we, Like, hey, you want to draw something for us? We give you some cash and he drew something badass and we gave him some cash. So definitely check out that design. All right. Now that that's out of the way, it is time for Stump the Host. All right. So Stump the Host is where we ask the guests to bring six trivia questions. And a couple extra in case we need some tiebreakers. And basically, he gets to just quiz Hunter and I on our uh, whether or not we deserve to even host this (laughs) fucking shit show. And then we're fired. You know, know, right now, Hunter's leading by one. One, yes. Yes, you are. Ooh, neck and neck. Neck and neck. So, as the guest, you get to decide who goes first.
1: Sweet. I'll throw it out to you. Sweet. I'll give you the chance to come from behind on this one.
0: Uh,.
1: And you don't have to make a joke about that. Cool. It writes itself.
0: <laughs> it does. It's, I mean, it's just, it's too easy.
1: <laughs> okay. So, uh, which Oscar winner quipped of his role in Jaws 4, The Revenge? I have never seen the movie, but I have seen the house that it built and the house it built is incredible.
0: Uh, I'm assuming it's Jack something because something, I I, I don't know, Hunter. Well, I believe it's uh, Michael Caine. Good impression, too, oh, and that's the Oh, it right is answer. Michael Caine. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking duck. All right. All right. No, but it is Michael Caine, yes. Michael Caine
2: <laughs> is the answer.
0: I'm sure he doesn't uh, brag about that movie.
2: The size, uh, a ruby, a size of an arch.
1: <laughs> I, I admire his honesty of just doing it for the paycheck.
2: Oh, yeah, no, it's, and if you've, you've never seen
0: Jaws... Four. No, I have seen it once. Oh God! Yeah, I'm that's...
1: sorry. My condolences.
0: It's oh, I thought it's, three was it, bad. It, oh, no yeah, God. No. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Three looks four. like the Citizen Kane of shark movies. Yeah, no, <laughs> that. no. Four said when you say <laughs> three bad CGI
2: shark 3D. Fucking... When you say three's bad, four's like hold my beer because <laughs> you literally have a shark that follows people down from New England to the Caribbean. Yes. Like literally, like the shark follows them like that somehow. Makes no sense. Yeah. somehow
1: no sense yeah they're remarkable creatures that can breach the water by about five or six feet to catch a seal and that's jumping Uh this shark can jump and get a helicopter
2: oh by the way the dude that defeated the sharks in the first two movies mm-hmm. dies off screen by the fourth one because he was so scared of sharks that he died of a heart attack according to jaws 4 yeah they could have How even... fucking sad is that shit motherfucker first one Bam, blow him up with the oxygen uh, tank. Don't just just say bam. Smile, you son of a bitch. Right. Second second one, I mean, you know, here, eat some electrical cables or whatever. Remember. But both times, I mean, like taking on the shark. And so it's like, well, we can't get the actor to show up. So uh he died because he was sca- scared of the shark. And you're like, that's that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> yes.
1: Chief Brody deserved better. He exactly. could have been shot de- foiling a robbery. Exactly there, something. Even just die of cancer God or old damn. age.
2: No.
0: Sorry. I, I just... Heart attack because I'm scared of shocks. <laughs> that
2: movie is so fucking amazingly ridiculous.
1: So,
0: all right, Hunter, this is you.
2: All
1: right. So here's a question for you. What New Orleans rap impresario and sometimes NBA player and pro wrestler provided the theme song to scream
2: 2? Oh, fuck. You, I, I, you went, I way over my. Let's just, can you repeat the question, sure. please? Which New Orleans-based rap
1: impresario and sometimes NBA player provided the theme song to Scream Two?
0: What's impresario? Well, I don't know what that word means.
1: He owns a record label, has a bunch of rappers under him.
0: He's from New Orleans.
1: Yeah, also had a bunch of hits on radio in the nineties. Oh
0: God damn it! This is gonna bug
2: the shit out of me because I know who it is because he signed people like Snoop Dogg for a short time and stuff like that. I can't think of his fucking name. Mm. I'll
1: give you a hint. The song is based on one of his bigger hits. Make him scream. Oh.
2: No, but I could you describe that again? No, 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 I. It's I, that one. I know. And I can't think of who, who the fucking rapper is. So mm, fuck me. God damn it. Just say, oh, no, wait. No. no, I can't think of it. New Orleans. Oh. I'm fucked. No. Master P.
3: God, God damn
2: it! I no Limit you. studios. Fuck. God damn it.
0: Fuck. Nah nah nah. I'm like, take my black card. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, son of a bitch. Of me, that half of me is just shamed oh. right now. It's Master Master fucking P. Gee, all right, <laughs> all so right. one nothing. Second round.
1: So next question goes to you. Paul Schneider investigated Candle Cove on Channel Zero after leaving Pawnee, Indiana, and what sitcom behind? candle
0: cove that okay so that's the sci-fi show that was season one or two right yep first season of it first season with the tooth guy oh he left to read that last part again
1: which sitcom and Pawnee Indiana did he leave behind
0: Pawnee Indiana I'm, I'm drawing a blank here on that I, I know the season I'm just like but I watched that like you were just naming the show, right? Yeah, just the show. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Roseanne. I believe it's a little Parks and Rec.
1: That would be right.
0: Ah, Mark Brandanowitz. Yep. A two zero. I think you want gonna get two two, two hundred.
1: <laughs> All right, I got one for you here. All right. David Cronenberg used a number of non-traditional leading ladies in the '70s and '80s horror films he did. Name one of them, and by that I mean porn stars, Playboy models, rock musicians.
2: I mean. Debbie Harry does there that count? All right. Because I was like, all I can think of for a minute was Gina Davis. I was like, I don't think Gina Davis was in any porns. She
0: wasn't. <laughs> that we know of.
2: Yep, she wasn't. All right. All right.
1: Um, and I got one for you now. Uh, Lacey Chabert has become a staple of Hallmark Christmas movies, ringing in the holidays with millions of women. But back in 2006, she was running for her life in what holiday horror movie? W- uh, what? Lacey Chabert is mm. now a star of the Hallmark holiday film series. But back in the day, she was in a holiday horror movie as the star. What was that holiday horror movie from 2006?
0: Re- Remake of Black Christmas? Yes. Okay.
2: Damn it.
1: Well done. All right, I got one for you. The Balkans have produced exactly which one horror movie which made it to the West, and it's quite notorious. What is it?
2: Oh, Siberia. Oh, goddamn. Um, Fuck me. I, I'm drawing a blank on it the yeah i can't think of it it's the balkans yes it's the one that it's that you you can't really see in this country if we want to understand but i can't think of the name of it and i'm probably giving you hints right oh, now uh
0: oh oh mother fuck me i've seen it the real version serbian tale or serbian movie serbian Ser- movie it's a serbian movie yeah,
1: yeah serbian film because of film. course yeah. it is art but yeah. yeah
0: but no but like there's there's the version that was dumbed down so it could be more it could be stomach better Then there's the real version which i yep. never want to see again. yeah no reason there's no reason to watch that <laughs> yeah again. it's
1: it's not a good film to begin with watch it once and then
0: yeah it's or don't ooh, even watch it because it's watch really not good it. yeah yeah it's not it's not art <laughs> no it's not like no the uh what was it uh woman Will, woman defoe was it the anarchist yeah that's fucked up but it's art yeah this is not art no, that, that, that movie exploitation
1: hard. and pulp and not well executed. And it'd be fine
0: either. if they caught that. Don't yeah. be all hoity toity with your shit. Okay. You're not fucking above being a B movie.
2: So does that count for, I mean, I don't know how that Well, works. you already
0: won anyway. Yeah, you had, you had three, so. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I
1: congratulations.
0: Didn't...
2: Mm-hmm. Is there any tiebreakers? Well, just to shoot the shit. There's no, oh. I
1: sure, mean... I can throw out the other ones I had. Which extreme horror film director makes a cameo in Eli Roth's Hostel?
0: Oh, Takashimike? Yes. Yeah. Damn. Yo, he's the he's the he's the one Asian dude outside yeah. that talks with the glasses, yeah.
1: And then the final one I had was Which Wes Craven film is based on an Igmar Bergman film, which itself is based on a Scandinavian ballad.
0: The shit? What well, hint on that one? I just want to know. Um
1: Yeah, I cursed. No. It's Last House on the Left. It's an adaptation of The Virgin Spring, a nineteen sixty Igmar Bergman film, which itself is a adaptation of a scandinavian folk song
2: fuck me running <laughs> seriously fuck? holy
0: shit Oh man, that's cool i mean that's some cool <laughs> trivia like facts but goddamn, i would never have gotten that well that's yeah. why
1: that's the hard tiebreaker
0: <laughs> i mean i would crushed you with takashi miki though if it came to that one
2: yeah i was gonna say <laughs> yep that one you jumped right on i was like <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh i remember when i watched the movie i was like oh hey you should kill her <laughs> audition <laughs> you were gushing all over audition too on the on the, on the uh, exploitation Cause, torture uh, porn. Because how do you not,
3: if
2: you can talk about torture porn, Miki. A movie
0: where it's like, and the rest of the movie is going to be her fucking
2: this dude up. The reason so.
0: he's in that movie is because Eli Roth jizzes over his inspiration. Exactly. More so than Rob Zombie. Yeah. So that's why, you know, talk about torture porn. Uh, yeah, Takashi Miki is fucking, <laughs> oh, Jesus.
1: And now he's gone on to become one of the most respected samurai film directors of all time with movies hey. that pretty much play it straight.
0: Hey. Peter Jackson.
3: Yep.
1: That's all I got to
2: say. Yeah, exactly. Peter Jackson. Which is amazing when you think about how people are like, oh, I love, you know, his Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, like, you should watch some of his earlier stuff. And meet, the you, meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles. Yeah, bad, <laughs> taste. bad Taste. Bad Taste is almost like, just like uh, Lord of the Rings. You should wa- really watch it. Like, <laughs> I just want to be there. Like, here's the live. Have yeah, fun. Exactly. All right, we're we're going to do a double feature tonight. We're going to do Bad Taste and then Lord of the Rings, and you can bring all the Lord of the Rings people. Are like, but first, we're going to watch Bad Taste. Just. Hit play and just stand back and watch the reaction. Oh, I was,
0: I was just drinking. Yeah, oh, this is great. <laughs> anyway, so Hunter uh, came out triumphant. Yeah. Thank you, Michael Kane. <laughs> yeah. I knew that
3: though. <laughs> God, that pisses me off. <laughs> Fuck.
0: Anyway, uh, so as always, hit us up lowdownbrown.guygmail.com. Movies you want to hear us talk about, topics you want to hear us talk about, remakes you want to hear us talk about. We will review and talk about anything. We want the feedback, and you know, because uh, if you want to hear us talk about it, we will make sure we make you happy with that. And we will we will give you our two cents. You might not like our two cents, but we're still going to do what you asked and <laughs> give you our two cents. And as always, like I said earlier, gwpodcast dot All our merch shop through Amazon through our Amazon link, uh, and just you know, we can make a little bit off that because. All this is out of pocket. We don't make money doing a podcast. We just love talking about the shit we love and then just giving it to you as a little gift. <laughs> you know? That's right. It's like Christmas all year. There you go. <laughs> so until we talk to you again, stay safe.